we are back with another very special episode of the Brando Cast. God damn it, today is gonna be a fucking barn burner. Because my friend Jason Orm is here, my friend in real life, not a Hollywood friend, a friend in real life, <laughs> fucking genius guitar player. But before we get into this, I have to give a quick 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 shout out to the people at societies uh, if you know me in real life you know that my wardrobe is essentially just jeans and concert shirts so whenever i need a new rock shirt oftentimes i will go to societies because they have an insane collection of amazing shirts by kiss motley Crue, def leppard yada yada i took part in one of their promos the free shirt friday giveaway had to answer some questions. Cut to me getting a Kiss Hot in the Shade tour shirt from 1989. So I just want to say thank you so much to Sam, Richie, and the entire crew at Societies. Check them out, thesocieties.com. Uh, if you know someone who loves rock shirts, that's your place for one-stop shopping. My guest today loves rock shirts. My guest today kind of dresses like me. My guest today is is honestly one of my favorite dudes. I haven't seen him in a while because he's so fucking busy touring the world. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it is Mr. Jason Orm. Hello, hello, hello. You're, you are now I know where to get some more t-shirts. Like this is my wife's gonna be like <laughs> my wife's gonna be like, you really need the more t-shirts? Okay. Oh my god. I have to hide <clears throat> them because uh, my significant other is not appreciative of the <laughs> of the collection of rock shirts, but you know, fuck can it. I can I can I tell you that listening to the Brando cast, I'm learning many things because you interviewed our pal Kevin Renkin mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. he told me about the Valley uh Relic Museum. I didn't even know that existed. And I went on their website, and I'm driving there to buy T-shirts tomorrow because there's T-shirts there that I have to have. Okay, I, I almost went before the inter before this, so I could be like Country Club, Wolf and Riss Miller's Country Club, you know. Okay, so we we have so dude, we have so much to talk about today. Uh, and by the way, the topic for discussion today is Mr. Jason Orm's. Uh, I'm not going to say his top five Van Halen songs, but very significant Van Halen songs for this dude because he is a native of Southern California. And he is one of the penultimate Van Halen fans that I know. He was at the fucking Us Festival. So <laughs> we have, we, I, you know, I love talking about the Valley. You know, I love talking about Rock and Van Halen. So let's, dude, let's just fucking jump into it because the Valley Relic Museum for people outside the city of Los Angeles is this weird, funky little museum in like deep Van Nuys. Like, no, it's, 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 it's like, um, I think it was on Balboa. I just looked it up, uh, but it's, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's like what I would call deep Valley, like, yeah. like, like central, like right off the four or five kind of, and, and you could probably drive really fast to Tommy burger by the brewery right there. And like all these things that I, you know, did growing up, but yeah, it's, but it it's, has a collection of like the San Fernando Valley as so well chronicled, uh, and the movies and televisions of our uh, television shows of our youth. Mm -hmm. um, holy Christ. You know, I'm, I'm watching episodes of Adam 12 on me TV <laughs> lately. They just drive around North Hollywood. Uh, yeah. That's all they do. And they kind of dip into Burbank, but they're just driving around like Magnolia, Lancashire, Laurel Canyon. Okay. So, and can I tell you, there, there used to be a show called emergency. Do you remember emergency? Oh, uh, I know so, Randolph Mantooth. Oh my God. So that mm -hmm. was like Rampart, Rampart. I get off sometimes at the exit at Rampart. Like my daughter goes to school right in the middle of LA pretty much. But like every time I look at the word Rampart, I'm just going like, 
emergency <laughs> 51, you know. Well, someone asked me the other day, and I don't know this because I've been too lazy to Google, where is the emergency, um, where is the facade of the of the station? Right. And it's got to be Deep Valley. But anyway, let me put a pit. The Valley Relics Museum is a cool place to go. They've got all these amazing vintage signs from restaurants in the Valley. I swear to God, uh, when Paul Thomas Anderson made uh, licorice pizza, that he must have gone to the Valley Relics Museum and like said, like, I need for the art department, I need this sign and I need that sign to make the Valley look like late 70s, early 80s, whatever the hell. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's no one better to talk about the Valley with uh, than my man, Jason Orm. So let's do this. I'm going to start the game of the Brando cast by playing your Van Halen songs. All right. And that will take us um, that will take us deep, deep, deep into the vestiges of the valley. So first up on, I'm going to call this Jason Orms. <laughs> what do we want to call this? <laughs> Kick-ass Van Halen list. All right, the I'll take it. First up is the song, Feel Your Love Tonight. We're getting funny in the back of my car. I'm sorry, honey. And I just want to remind everybody that Van Halen won was released on February 10th, 1978. So, Jason, tell me, what does this song and what does Van Halen mean to you? You got five hours? Like, it's so... <laughs> it's. I, I was just geeking out so hard the last couple of days thinking about this conversation. So, it's all got to go in steps, I guess, like you're doing, because, because um, I had to pick songs off Van Halen 1, and I was going, well... Jamie's crying is very specific because of skateboarding. Cause that's what I was doing when I first heard this record. And my, and my friend, I had a friend named Jerry Fenske, who was like the best skateboarder we knew. <laughs> and they, him and this other guy, Todd Huber would come to my neighborhood where there was a wash at the dead end of our street. And that was our skate park. So I could walk out of my front door and skate this street. We, it, it, my, living on a street called Sunnydale. What sounds more suburban than Sunnydale Avenue. Right. Um, but anyway, Jerry used to go, oh man, this song is so great to skate to. And, and I remember thinking, he's right. This really is like Jamie's crying. But then Feel Your Love Tonight is one of the songs that I love to play on guitar. Like that riff is so much so satisfying. And so that song just encap encap encapsulates uh, so much of what I love about them. The poppiness, the amazing guitar playing that he was able to fit into these amazing songs. So it... And it's just the summertime. It just makes me think of summertime. Like, where was that? Where was Sunnydale Avenue? In Simi Valley, California, yeah. which is mm -hmm. like, you're talking about San Fernando Valley. I was one step northwest of that growing up in this little enclave called Simi Valley, which, again, interviewing Kevin Rentgen, he was talking about where he lived in the valley. It's so true. It's like, it's kind of anywhere USA in, in a way. And then as you get older, you realize, wait, Hollywood's right there? Oh, okay. So we, you know, or North Hollywood even, or, you know, whatever. Cause I would like, you couldn't see me. Didn't have, um, like vans stores. Like when I wanted a pair of, <laughs> if, if I wanted to buy like vans were this mythical thing and Kmart had these vans, uh, copy knockoffs. I think they were called Kobe's. And, <laughs> and if you had those, that was not so cool. No, no, you're, no. You're going to get ridiculed. Totally ridiculed. Like we Are even you a knew. Poor kid. It, 
it was so there was even I remember being in junior high and there were two girls named Kathy uh-huh. and they were both really cute. We we liked both Kathy's, but one we would describe as Kobe Kathy because she had Kobe vans instead of real vans. Unbelievable. But yeah, but the fad of skateboarding. Yes. Had come to Simi Valley in the late seventies. No doubt about it. And, and it was the only sport I was good at. Like I was a total, I got picked last for all the sports at school. You know what I mean? I was a total, just Mm. worthless at sports kid and then learned that I could ride a skateboard. And I was like, Oh, thank God I can do something and be reasonably good at it, you know? And then, and music was always around, but you know, that was the days where you'd put a big boom box next to the outside where you were skating and play music while you're skating. So, okay. So what else, what were you guys listening to when you were skating? My, I really just remember Van Halen the most, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I think cause we were right before the big like punk rock explosion sort of, it was sort of happening, but we were so young. Like I was 12 in 1978. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was right when I started to skateboard a lot, Van Halen one came out, we might've listened to some scorpions or I, I don't even know if that was even around yet. You know, that was too early. No, it was too early for that too. It was, you know, you'd play records on repeat. You'd have a cassette and you'd turn it over, put it in again, you know, and you're skating to every song. So it, it was just that. Was there an awareness that, pa- that Van Halen was a band from Pasadena, which is just a couple freeways away? Not yet. Okay. No, I, I didn't have that awareness yet. It was too, uh, that was like too big of an idea. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, like it was too, like just the fact that my mom was willing to drive me one city over to buy me some vans was, Mm. was like, okay, there's Mm -hmm. another people live over here too. Okay. And here's Mm -hmm. stores and they have this store. I wonder why we don't have this store, whatever, you know? (laughs) Um, but the awareness, I didn't even know, like those guys that I was riding skateboards with, um, Kevin mentioned it. There was a skate park in the Valley called skater cross. And those guys thought I was cool enough to invite me with them on an excursion to skater cross one time. And I'll never forget it because I was like, I'm being accepted into these, and these guys think I'm okay. And they want to take me with them to the skate park. And, and then we went to Taco Bell and the tacos tasted better than anything I've ever had in my life. And like, it, you know, it was, it was just that. And, and what was the vibe at skater cross? What, I mean, was it just a big skate park or did it have uh, like an arcade on the side or, uh, it probably, yeah, it probably had a little room with some arcade games. I was terrified. Like I had never, you know, I <laughs> right, was every I, cool guy in the Valley was probably at skater. Cross, so. And it was, well, and I don't know, like if you like the, the wash we skated in, like, like it was flat and then it kind of went up like this, right. right. Not, uh-huh. not vertical, but, but you'd say if you skate vert, right. If you skate a vertical wall, it's, you kind of have to go up the, the transition to where it's vertical and back down. And the first time I experienced that, I, I, I was like, I don't know what to do, you know? So I kind of just made, there was like a, they called it a snake run, I think. And, and you'd have to skate just through this path. It was almost like a, you know, you'd see those things like a lazy river that people are on the inner tube. It was kind of that, but for skateboards and had little walls and things you skate up as you go and, you could do it easy or you could do it as good as, you know, whatever your, your, um, ability was, you could do great or you could kind of haphazard do it. Like I did. Amazing. Now that first Van Halen record, you of course have that. Is that also firing some new cylinders in your brain Were you already playing guitar or were you already inclined, uh, like musically inclined? 
I was musically inclined. I had, old, I had the classic older brother. My brother mm. Rob was mm. 11, 10 or 11 years older. So handing me <sighs> Beatles, Zeppelin, Hendrix from the, from the early, you know, got me into all this music. And then, um, like Kevin kiss was mine. Like I bought my first record I ever bought was kiss when I was 10. And so then that launched me into my own thing. But <clears throat> my mom was involved in musical theater, like a local theater group that was, that was fascinating to me too. Cause all these actors and singers were around our house all the time. And, and I'd go to the theater and I was in some of the shows with her and thought, oh, wow. yeah. And I thought I wanted to be like us cause I started singing and performing on stage when I was 10 with, in her shows like fiddler on the roof or, you know, all these kind of shows. And so, but then around 12 is when I started asking for a guitar nice. and I didn't get one until I was 14. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big ticket item to get as a kid. I mean, it really well, is. And back can I then, show you? It, yeah. You have the guitar. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Jason Orm is holding up just a, a classic seventies acoustic those are plastic strings or, yep, or yep. nylon yep. strings, oh, nylon strings. This is now my daughter's. It's a, it was no. $30. I'll never forget it. 30 bucks at, um, I think it was called music plus in, in <laughs> uh, again, in the next town over in the mall. And, and like my dad was kind of against it. My dad used to say, you know, if I do that, I'm going to do drugs and that's going to be it. Right. And my mom being more on the entertainment side, you know, we were alone in the record shop and that was on the wall for 30 bucks. And I was like, come on, can I just please 30, it's $30. Can I just get a guitar? You know? And it came with a little chord book and I started teaching myself chords and then I started taking lessons and that was it. All right. Moving on to the second song and Jason Orm's kick-ass Van Halen mix from Van Halen to out of love again. And a quick note, just like Van Halen 1, Van Halen 2 uh, was recorded at Sunset Sound, and it was released on March 23rd, 1979. So a year and a month later after Van Halen 1. All right, so tell me about Out of Love Again. Well, first of all, it's like impossible. Like we said, and you know, I can't, it's so hard to pick a song because I'm yeah. the one off the first record is the other one that drove me insane and loved so much. So Out of Love, because of the solo like that when that solo comes in on that really high note it it there's something about that song that just made me jump out of my shoes like i it was so exciting and like and his there's just he was he, his his note choices and all of the way that he he managed to be this total superhero in the context of these pop rock it's hard for me to say metal because they're not you know they're just like a hard rock band but but they had that danceable thing and they had that sort of sense of humor that I always like in a band, you know, like they're serious, they're totally serious, but they're also kind of going, huh, this is, you know, we're having a great time. Like there's no matter what the interpersonal things that we found out way later were on the outside, we just thought this is the greatest group of people I've ever seen having the greatest time ever. Right. Well, they, I mean, we've talked about this on the Brando cast a few times about Van Halen specifically, but the amazing thing to me was they were like the ultimate party band, but not necessarily a party band for jocks. At that time, <laughs> they were a party band for kind of burnouts right. and kids that love to party right. uh, and get high right. uh, and drink a ton. Like yep. the jocks had not yet discovered van halen yes 
Uh, Dance the Night Away is a huge single and it attracts more people, but it was still burnout culture-y. You know what I mean? Yep, it was more totally. for the Heshers than it was <laughs> for the quarterbacks, right? I mean, I love well, that you know all these terms too, the Heshers and the Jocks. That was my high school. That's but what that, everybody well, called but each I, other. God, and I want to hear about that because I have said whenever the Jocks discover your band, your right. Hesher band, it's over. Right. So I watched that happen with Van Halen in 1984. But tell me about where did you go to high school? I went to Royal High School in Simi, in Simi Valley. <laughs> Royal High. Yep. Okay. So how was that? Give me the social strata at Royal High. It, it was exactly what you think. It was the, the jocks, the stoners, the heshers, the... Uh, well, by then it was the new waivers, right? Like, oh, like there was... okay. There was a whole, because I've heard you talk about this in other episodes too, where um, it was so divided back then. And now it's just nothing like that. Like if you're, if you're in your teens or twenties, you love, you know, uh, Billy Eilish, just like you love Guns N' Roses and Queen. You know what I mean? There's no weird separation of all that, but like. Our, my school had a smoking section. <laughs> like I was just talking about this with a friend of mine going, do you remember that you could smoke in high school if your parents said it was okay? Can you, can you imagine? No. No. Like I have a seven-year-old daughter. If she came at 16 or 15 and went, hey, there's a smoking section at school. So can you sign this so I can smoke at recess? No. What? You, what? <laughs> you know, and you'd walk by and yeah. But was wait, what was more terrifying than the smoking section at Royal High School? More terrifying. I mean, God. that must have been just filled with all of the fucking. No, you know what? They were not. No, the, the smokers okay. were. Oh, they were. Everybody okay. was nice. Yeah. I mean, I was the guy who got along with everybody. You know, it was like okay. I, I pretty much got along with with everyone. I didn't. You know, I when I in junior high when I decided I was a skateboarder, I was like, okay, cool. This is, this is who I am. And then I was like, by high school, I was like, well, I'm, I play guitar. I'm, that's my thing, you know, or whatever. <laughs> but, but, it, but the jock thing is funny. Cause I remember when the really popular Judas priest record came out when, um, that had like electric eye and, um, You've got screaming for vengeance. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that was the one. That was the record. Because my brother was like, I've been listening to Judas Priest since 1975. And I was like, huh? <laughs> you know? And <laughs> but but like, you know, he's like, I saw him at the Starwood when Rob Halford had, you know, black hair. And, you know, wow. he really went deep, you know? Wow. Yeah. So your brother ha had been making the trek from Simi Valley into Hollywood to go he, to, to. He did that. He saw Zeppelin and Sabbath and all these shows at the forum that like, I just go, Oh, how was I not born wow. you know, earlier? Yeah. But dude, uh, Judas Priest at the Starward, which for people listening at home was a little club on the corner of Santa Monica and Crescent Heights, <laughs> but it's a legendary club because so many incredible bands got their start. there, like Van Halen. Like Van Halen. Right. Um, yep. but, um, that's incredible. And a quick tangent, the theme of the older sibling or the the older the the friend's older sibling is so important yep. on the Brando cast, especially for the rock era, because we needed those older characters to go. This is what you should be listening to. Totally, and that for me, Van Halen oddly came into my life with the first record because my mother's friend, Mrs. Hoffman, her son Keith had Van Halen one, and he was like two years older than me, and yep. I looked up to him. And he had it, and I remember him putting it on. And, you know, at the, up to that point, yes, I'd been listening to Kiss, which I think yeah. helped set the table for me. 
Totally. But I, I love the Bay City Rollers and Elton John. Me too. And you, you know what I mean? <laughs> yep. And hey, fuck it, Sonny and Cher's on tonight. I'll watch that. I don't care. Oh, all yeah, but, every week. But that was an important moment. So, you know, you mentioned Love and Kiss before. Was Ace Fraley one of your first favorite guitarists before Eddie? You know what's funny is that I wasn't really separating it that way because mm. Kiss was was so um Kiss was such a character driven thing that I my favorite guy was Peter Chris. Mm. Okay. I just Great. I just thought he was the coolest guy. And then I think Paul, because I loved Paul's voice and his his like like you and Kevin talked about the alive and alive too, like I just listened to those records over and over because I felt like I was I wasn't allowed to go to concerts when I was a kid. So I felt mm. like I was there when he was going, if you believe in rock and roll, let's stand up for what you believe in. Like I was moved. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my God, he's he's preaching. And like it was so powerful. Like there was no two ways about it. I was like, I'm with you, Paul. I believe in rock and roll. You know, it was like powerful stuff. I want to know. <laughs> I love that I thing. I want to know. <laughs> we played. It's we so had good. We had Paul Stanley on Rock Tales, <sighs> our so old good. Sirius XM show with Ahmed Zappa, and we played a game with him, and he was so gracious. We took the drop <laughs> of him going, I want to know. And then Ahmed and I would take turns asking him like really <laughs> dumb questions like, where's the best place to get pizza in Beverly Hills? What's a good bike route between, you oh know. Oh, my God. Have you been to the Stephen Weiss Temple on Mulholland? Like, you know, like just and he was such silly a good sport. shit. And he was a good sport. And he, went, and he went for it. But like after like seven or eight questions, he's like, I want to know who wrote these questions. <laughs> That's perfect. perfect. We said, can we go to lunch with you and Richard Marks? <laughs> so but he was very cool to us um dude uh that's so fucking amazing um hey we all loved peter we we all loved peter you're right we all loved them equally yeah but yeah, i was just it, wondering if ace was like an early inspiration for you he was as a yeah guitar player he was because he um you know, think thinking back on it, he definitely was because he was so specific about how he played and he really had a style. Like people can say what they want about him and whether he was playing on the records later and all that stuff. But even if it wasn't him, somebody had to go, well, I have to play like Ace plays. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like way later, I would find out, oh, that might not have been Ace on that song. Oh, OK, but it sounds like him. Like somebody came in and played like Ace Frehley because he had a very specific way of playing that we still play kiss songs at soundcheck like like we still you do oh yeah like like well paul stanley so we have i have a paul stanley story because he our drummer uh the drummer that plays with me and with alanis victor is is a session drummer who's played on tons of records that you've heard and whatever so years ago i think it was 2008 we were rehearsing for an alanis tour and he's getting texts from paul stanley and I was like, what? He goes, yeah, he texts me. Like, we're kind of like friends, I guess. And I was like, and we're both total. We're bo He's from See Me Too. We've known each other since we were teenagers. Wow. So he goes, uh, maybe I should ask him if we could get a copy of this new DVD thing they put out for the tour. And I was like, yeah, ask him. And Paul's response was, how long are you going to be there at the rehearsal studio? And he goes, we're here all week. He goes, I'll come. I'll bring it to you tomorrow. And we looked at each other and he goes, Paul Stanley's coming here tomorrow. And I was like, uh, uh, you know, we were like, no way. And, and, and I was trying to be so cool and not show up with my kiss destroyer LP. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to be totally cool. And, and then he walked in and it was like a superhero walked in the door and, and, and he was so nice. And we chatted about guitars. I love to play the song got to choose. 
and and I kind of went, yeah, sometimes we play Got to Choose, and he's holding one of my guitars, and he starts playing it in front of me. And wow. I, I, my, I was, and then, of course, before he left, I picked, a, I grabbed a guitar. I was like, would you sign my guitar? So I have this guitar with his signature on it. That is, that is fucking <laughs> phenomenal. Had, had they used that rehearsal studio before? Probably. It's, yeah. it's like a place in the Valley where a lot of people yeah. were. He knew, you know, he knew where we were and, and, uh, you know, it just showed up. Like, I was like, this is the weirdest, like if 10 year old me was told someday you're going to play with this massive, you know, popular singer and Paul Stanley's going to walk up to your rehearsal and you're going to chat about guitars. I'd be like, what? You know, <laughs> people should know that when you drive through North Hollywood, like the industrial parts of North Hollywood and Burbank, mm-hmm. you pass like a big brick building with <laughs> no uh, markings on it or anything that inside might be one of the biggest bands in the world rehearsing for a tour. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to Jason Orms. This kick-ass Van Halen uh, list. We're going to go to women and children Mm. and the song. Take your whiskey home. With that liquor in the nighttime, leave strange memories. Uh, Before I let you talk about the importance of taking your whiskey home and women and children, there's an interesting pattern. So by the third record... We see that basically Van Halen has released an album every single spring since the beginning. And this record was released on March 26, 1980, also recorded at Sunset Sound and, of course, produced by Ted Templeman. So tell me about Take Your Whiskey Home. It's it's another. So he talk about patterns like it's interesting to hear bands. You know, some artists have to evolve. Like if you're David Bowie, you change your your style a little bit every year or you change your persona and but van halen had this thing you could count on where eddie was going to have this moment where he plays a solo then he's going to have this acoustic thing that's really cool like on ice cream man on the first record or, or spanish fly on the second record so this was like the thing where it's this intro with this incredible acoustic funky riff that it was so just another thing that made my body go like, ah, oh, you know, it, it, it's like visceral feeling that I still think about when I hear these songs and hear this guitar playing. Cause it's so, he was so powerful. He was so rhythmic. And like, I never learned a lot of Van Halen songs because it, that's another whole long story, but, but <laughs> because I love them. They're, so- they're impossible when you're 14 well, years old. Well, we, yeah, we didn't have YouTube. We, it was like a, it was like this magical thing that I just didn't understand. But I was also so nerdy and read every interview with him mm-hmm. and had a whole wall in my bedroom covered in his pictures. And I was just like, he was, when I hear Dweezil Zappa tells that story about when he showed up at his house wearing the, the jumpsuit from Women mm-hmm. and Children First mm-hmm. and how he walked out and was like, it was like Superman walking up the, the, the sidewalk. He go. He, I, I love that story so much because it's true. I would have felt the same way. Like he's carrying a guitar, wearing the jumpsuit with his hair flowing. Like you're, you're sort of going, I, I don't know what to do. Like he's, he's my hero. Like what is happening right now? And so I, but I, I learned that guitar part and really recently, actually, I tried to sit down and, and like, I don't remember why, I don't know if I was doing a cover gig or something, but I sat down to try to listen again and see if I was playing it right. I was nowhere near playing it right. <laughs> like, like, he, like if, if I played it for you, you'd go, oh, you're playing Take Your Whiskey Home. But 
but but you could recognize it. But when I really listened to what he was doing, it changed every time around. It 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 was just this magical, perfect, mind blowing thing. And then the mm-hmm. song kicks in, electric, and Roth comes in doing his thing. And it, you know, they were so it was such an integral thing. Everything they did, you know. Tell me about summertime, nineteen eighty, Jason Orm. <sighs> Oh my God. Are we starting? Are we thinking about putting together a band? Are yes. we playing with friends on the weekend? Have we given so, up the skateboard a little bit for the guitar full time? Oh, dude, you, you, you're such a master. <laughs> so yes, because I broke my arm when I was 12. Ah, that's critical. And that's a very, that's a very important thing that so happened that was in your life. Very yeah. important because mm-hmm, by yeah. the time I was playing guitar in 1980, I didn't want to mess up anything. I'm like, yeah. I can't keep falling mm-hmm. on my skateboard. I got to just sit in my well, room. You made the you right know. decision. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad because I still have a skateboard and I still love to ride a skateboard. And when I see a skate park, I, I have that urge and I just go, you no, you're, you're an old man. You can't jump in that skate park and try to ride a skateboard. Yeah. Your center of gravity is different. Like, no, no, no. But um, oh, only Tony Hawk can ride a skateboard after did, 40. I just watched that, 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 um, movie the, uh, god, documentary god it was yeah. good talk about and, a soundtrack ladies and gentlemen go get the, right. the soundtrack for the tony hawk documentary it's fucking crazy amazing but anyway let's go back to so, you young musician jason yeah. norm um immediately trying to grow my hair out like, Eddie. <laughs> like like that was a thing like when he died i wrote this long thing <laughs> like i'm not usually a big like ride along thing on social media but when he died i sat down like probably 15 minutes after i heard the news and just just wrote a just stream of consciousness thing about what he meant to me and and um all the interviews oh getting back to the interviews so he would say like they would ask him well what do you think of all these guys that are trying to imitate your style and play like you and he'd go I don't know. I, I came up with my thing. Come up with your thing. Don't, don't mm. copy me, you know? Mm. And, I, and I was a rule follower, you know, going, Oh, okay, Eddie, I won't, I won't try to copy you. I'll, I'll try to play, you know, which I don't know, you know, I was trying to do anything else, I guess, but he of course influenced what I did. But, but then I thought like, well, he didn't say I can't grow my hair to try to look like you or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like that's my goal is to try to grow my hair out to look as cool as his did and which never happened. But, but, um, but I tried and, um, but yeah, I was trying to grow my hair out. I was trying to, I had a friend across the street who could play the drums a little bit and we would get mm. together and play like the riff to Barracuda, you know, <laughs> cause he had an amplifier. I didn't have an amplifier yet. So I'd go over there and plug into this app and we go, you know, and, uh, uh, and, uh, and then I convinced my best friend next door to play the bass. He had gotten a guitar. And he was kind of plinking around on the guitar. And then I was kind of, Hey, what if, what if you played the bass? You know? So my friend Jeff, yeah. So he, and we're still friends. He's still like a brother, you know? And, but yeah, we had, his garage was our rehearsal room. His mom was nice enough to like, let us rehearse in the garage. And yeah, we started that. It wasn't that, quite that like, like that was probably a year or two later that we started really playing, you know, with a drummer and trying to make a, have a band be a thing, you know? But that's like a Spielberg image. You know, it was, you in 1980 in Simi Valley, Royal High School, just getting together with some friends, yep. trying to figure it out. You can't play full songs yet, but you're just trying. Yeah. I mean, you know, cut to you in this beautiful room, of guitars behind you hanging on the wall, <laughs> you know, playing You Ought to Know for 20,000 <laughs> screaming fans every other night. And it's amazing. Yeah. I just I just love it so much. Um, you know, I will say that um, on my senior page, I have 
this quote from Eddie Van Halen that I was allowed to put in the yearbook. I'm so much geekier than all those kids who idolize me. <sighs> See, that's yeah, right? why. That's, that's why we loved him. That's exactly the reason I love him so much. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, he, it, he was, you know, now you read about all the things like, like even the first time I heard him, cause you know how it was, there was no, there was no, um, MTV quite yet. No, and, and no, there was that. not yet. And I never heard his speaking voice. Like the mm-hmm. first time I heard his voice was on KLOS or KMET, one of the stations. And, and he had that like, Hey, I'm Eddie Van Halen. Like, like I was like, that's what his voice sounds like. <laughs> oh my God. Like I, I had no concept of what he might sound like. I don't know why I just didn't think of it, you know, but he had sort of a, like an almost not nasally, but like a, just, you know, just a different voice. And I imagined, and it was, it was fascinating. Yeah. Before MTV, we had to just deal with circus and hit parader magazine. Which we did. Then maybe, <laughs> luckily, a band gets on some kind of TV show. Saturday Night Live wasn't playing hard rock bands. They right. were only playing cool, eclectic music. Uh, well, yeah, there was and- just no way to to you know absorb some unless like David Lee Roth is on the love boat or something like that. You know, it's like it was it was you had to look it up. Like if you go back to my high school's library. You know, when we we used to write our names on the on the card to uh-huh. take the library book out of the library, I booked out all the rock books, any Amazing. book on rock. Yeah. So a coffee table book is as as informative to me yep. as a website is for some kid today. I mean, that's totally. all, we didn't have it. Nope. You know, the videos weren't they, we didn't have MTV in Albuquerque until the late late fall of 1981. Um, we didn't even yeah. have it up here in LA as far as I knew, because my friend, so my friend, Steve that lived mm-hmm. across the street from me, who, who I just saw a couple weeks ago, um, we grew up together and he, his family moved down to fountain Valley. So I would go in the summers in high school and visit him and go to the beach and hang out. And he goes, Hey, do you want to watch MTV? And I was like, I don't, what's that music television? Mm-hmm. It, it's really cool. And I went, Okay. And this is before we went to the us festival. This is probably 1982. And, uh, right. Is that right? Or when did, when did MTV come out? 82 or 83? 81. 81. Okay. So yeah, this is probably even 81 or 82. So he goes, uh, yeah, music television. And we sit down and MTV when it first started was really just random. Like there was every day I write the book, Elvis Costello, there was a uh, video killed the radio star and Van Halen doing unchained and so this is love i should probably save this for fair warning but no um, it's coming up you <laughs> yeah. it's almost a perfect segue to what we're going to talk yeah, about next right but i had never seen them moving around like you and kevin talked about kiss and the paul lind halloween special like that <laughs> you have no idea how important that was like yeah like mm-hmm. seeing them it was scary because i was still 10 years old and seeing paul stanley shaking his head and they were they were lip syncing but it was still they played um, um, King of the Nighttime World, and I was just like, "What is happening right now?" You know, and then, and then, um, seeing the Van Halen videos, like my friend was like, "Okay, let's go to the beach." And, oh, wait, wait, wait! They're gonna they're gonna play them again, right? Like, like I wanted to sit there and wait until they played those videos again because it was just unbelievable. Well, let's get into that right now because the fourth song on Jason Orm's Kick-Ass Van Halen mix, it's Mean Street. Some 
And again, released a year later, Fair Warning is released on April 29th, 1981, also recorded at Sunset Sound. But the three videos, I don't want to talk about it later, so this is love uh, and Unchained. Beautifully pro-shot videos, I think, from a concert in... It's either San Francisco or Fresno, wherever they pro-shot. Oakland, or, yeah. Oakland, yeah. that's right. It's yeah. Oakland. You're right. Yeah. Uh, holy shit. That's the band at the height of its power. And by the way, fortunately for me, I saw them in that exact period of time is that those videos were shot because they came to Albuquerque in October of 81. Oh. So... And that... I, I did see the Women and Children tour, but I was oh. a year younger. For me... Eighth grade, fair warning, Tingley Coliseum, Albuquerque, New Mexico, mind blowing. And it was still all the all stars of partying in Albuquerque. <laughs> it's the, the smell of weed. I bought I bought the, the fair warning tour shirt as like an extra large. And I'm a small hoping to have it as an adult. Oh my God. Like that's you how were, my mind was, foresight, was working. Oh my God. And, and when I would wear that t-shirt to school, <laughs> Uh, I, if I would start to sweat, I would take it off. I would bring another shirt with me <laughs> and switch it out in my locker because I just, I didn't want to get sweat on that tour shirt. Okay. So tell me. That is uh, so important. Oh, yeah, so yeah. important. So tell me about Mean Streets. Well, I can't, uh, you just did something really important. So I'm still jealous that you saw that concert because mm -hmm. in my high school, friends were going to those Van Halen shows and coming the next day with the concert t-shirt on. That was just the tradition. You wore it to school the next the day. The next day. Even and, if it smelled like weed. Oh, and I was so just watching everyone going, they went to that show. <laughs> God, you know, so that's incredible that you saw that. Um, for, uh, mean Streets was another riff thing. Like, like he, he pulled this thing out of his mind blowing, you know, imagination and, the way that song opens, you, you just don't even know what's happening. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's the most unbelievable percussive, magical riff, hand gymnastic thing that he's doing. And I didn't see anybody do it for, I don't know how many years. Like I, I worked in a guitar shop from my teens into my twenties out in Simi Valley. And Every once in a while, this one guy would come in that could play Van Halen riffs kind of really right. And this is, again, before YouTube. And I remember I'd hear it across the store and go, wait a second, what's that guy doing over there? You know, and and it was like he had figured out how to unlock all the secrets of what Eddie was doing. And because everybody could tap and do sort of, you know, certain things um, and approximate it. But then there were certain things that he did that were so original and so... Um, it just felt like some magic trick that he had. And so the first time I saw someone playing the intro to Mean Street, I was like, that's what it is? Oh, wow, amazing. But then I realized, you know, I was already a, an adult and I have these kind of meat hook hands. Like they're <laughs> like my hands, having big hands can be great for some things, but but having smaller hands can be better for other things when you're playing guitar. And his, I realized my hands just couldn't do it. Like I was like, I can't. Cause it's, I, it's hard to explain if I'm not showing you on a guitar, but, but whatever he does on that song, I can't do it. Like <laughs> I've tried to do other things that he can do and I can approximate it and get pretty close. But that's one of those things that it's still such a crazy feat of guitar playing genius. That is just mind blowing for the uninitiated. Can you in layman's terms, explain what Eddie Van Halen did that changed the game for people? 
just for someone who's not a musician or right. who's sort of a casual fan of rock or whatever who might be listening to this podcast like can you condense God. it was it the hammering was it the the rhythmic playing how did he change the game there there are people that have talked about it you know over the years and and for me i think it if you look at how it, like the trajectory of 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 electric guitar and rock and roll it's it's usually what what they've done in a popular music setting so like eric clapton right was was god they used to say in the 60s then jimi hendrix came along and clapton and jeff beck and all these guys were like oh what's this guy doing and so he had a different style but still managed to do it in a way that popular songs were still he was still making music that people wanted to hear and infusing it with this amazing guitar playing so he was a writer as well as this really flashy, amazing guitar player. And I think, you know, Jimmy Page had that. He came up with all these riffs, right? And then Eddie came along and because of what he did with the tone of his guitar, um, taking a Marshall amp and using it the way he used it and cranking it up and playing this supercharged kind of rock boogie, you know, music with his brother, who he just could lock in with, like, you couldn't imagine how, they could lock so hard rhythmically and and then you know i hate to say it but had he not gotten together with david lee roth and and had they not you know done what they do together which was eddie wrote the music roth wrote the melody and the lyrics it it pushed him out there and you know he was just he was doing something different he was committed to like just doing what he wanted to do and not copying anything else even though they were a cover band at first He's what still, does the brown sound mean when people talk about the the yeah. the, the, the Van Halen the, the brown sound? What does that mean? It means um, so. There's Marshall amplifiers, and those okay. came out in the six. Those came out in the sixties. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clapton started using them. Hendrix started using them. Um, Jimmy Page and Eddie. Eddie was the guy who also took a Fender Stratocaster, which has very specific uh, pickups, like. So, well, no one's seeing this, but these are what's called single coil pickups, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you put two of those together, it's called it's called a humbucking pickup. And so most of the time, humbucking pickups came in like a Les Paul, like a Gibson guitar. And single coil pickups come in like a Fender Strat. So Eddie took a, a Gibson pickup and put it in his Strat. Ah. And, and so that became a new sound into the Marshall, his style, you know, it was all a mixture of a bunch of things. And he was a tinkerer. He loved to build his own guitars. And I love the story. I, I used to read the interviews with him so much. And he would say, they would say, how did you get to the thing where your, your, your guitar just has one pickup and one volume knob? And he just said, I don't know. I, I was just kind of tinkering around and I, and I kept connecting wires until I heard a sound. And then I just taped everything down. <laughs> <laughs> and, and right. Like necessity is the mother of invention or whatever they say that, that whole, so he was just messing around and and then went, yep, sounds good. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. All right. You said that you were jealous of me going to see the Fair Warning Tour at Tingley Coliseum in October of 1981. But I am jealous of you, Mr. Orm, for going to the Us Festival <laughs> where Van Halen played. And it was kind of this tour. Somewhere we lost in a time. Now trouble seems to fit. 
Diver Down was released on April 14th, 1982. Also recorded at Sunset Sound and Amigo Studios in North Hollywood. Ted Templeman continuing the tradition of releasing a kick-ass album every spring. Five springs in a row. So tell me about 1982, Jason Orm, and this record. By the time Us Festival happened... The US Festival was like this culmination of of like that whole era. So it's nineteen eighty-three, and they announced that all of these bands are gonna play on us on the same day. Like when I look back at that weekend, I, I think like, what were you doing? Why didn't you go to the other day? You know, like, but that was the music I cared about when I was sixteen. So like I was that's the day I wanted to go. The Scorpions, Judas Priest, Ozzy Osbourne with his brand new guitar player. Um Van Jakey Lee, Jakey Lee. Mm -hmm. So we saw him the first time triumph and Van Halen. And so I had read all these interviews with him leading up to that. The crew and plus Plus quiet, right. And quiet, right. (laughs) Totally. And, and you know, it's funny. So we, me and my knucklehead friends go right. And my friend, Steve, that I mentioned earlier and, uh, my friend Glenn and who was the other, I think I can't remember if Jeff or this guy, Jay, but anyway, we, um, we got there first thing in the morning. Like, well, please explain to people. You're, were you still living in Simi Valley in 1983? Oh, totally. Yeah, I was. Okay. I was living so in my. Oh, the US Festival happened in San Bernardino, California, for people playing along. So that's not a bus ride. How the fuck did you get from Simi Valley to San Bernardino? That's a great question. So my friend Steve, <laughs> that lived in Fountain Valley, he was going to go and he could drive. So we all went down to his house, spent the night in Fountain Valley for whatever reason. I don't remember why. And we drove with him in the like. I want to say it felt like the middle of the night. It felt like we got like three hours of sleep and just were like, let's go. We got to get there right when the doors open, you know? And, and we run in before a note of music is played and we're right at the front, you know, and everybody's laying out blankets and I'm going, wow, it's going to be really nice, you know, and it's really comfortable. And then pretty soon you're standing and pretty soon you're like this and pretty soon you can't breathe. And, you know, I almost passed out by the time quiet ride or Motley Crue was on stage. I was they were My friends were carrying me out cause I couldn't breathe. We weren't high. We didn't do anything. We were like, little novices of, you know, uh, and, and my parents weren't going to let me go. Mm-hmm. I had to beg and mm-hmm. plead and then gave them the silent treatment for, I think two days. I don't think I spoke words for two days <laughs> because I was so upset and they finally, I'll never forget it. Sat me down and went, Oh, okay. We're going to let you go to the concert and, but please be careful, please. You know what I mean? And then of course I'm walking around the concert and there's guys standing with a sign, like a cardboard you know, acid, $4. Like, I, you know, I it was- can't even imagine. I can't even, because I've said on this podcast many times in describing the scene uh, of Ozfest at San Bernardino, <laughs> like the hardest fucking people, the hardest metalheads in America yep. gather in San Bernardino. So, you know, I saw a dude walking out of the Ozfest back into the parking lot as we were walking in with a perfect quarter-sized hole in his head, bleeding profusely, and he was just walking like nothing was wrong with him. So, like, so I can't even, I can't even imagine that scene that day at that historic show. And you guys were little dudes. We were little dudes. You guys were little dudes. Really little. Alone. That's with no other parent. Not, no. No Uh, parent took uh, us. Dude, that's that's unbelievable. 
16 year olds. My friend was, Steve might have been 17, uh, maybe. Yeah, no, no, you but, guys were yeah. babies. And, and, and we couldn't find, like, I don't even know where we parked. Yeah, I don't parked know. in Hesperia and walked yeah. down the hill. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. It's so true. Like, we, I, so Van Halen, by the time they came on, we were exhausted. Like, mm-hmm. like we could barely right. stand up because there was this long thing they did where it took like two hours for them to get on stage. So the Scorpions and end. Scorpions they're, get the they're best set. slot. Yeah, mm-hmm. they get the best slot of the whole day mm-hmm. because the sun finally starts to dip and they turn on these giant, more high def screens on either side of the stage. Scorpions come out and destroy the whole day. Like they were amazing. And, yeah. and I loved it. And then... And then we're standing around and there's no, you know, modern festivals are so nice compared to the us festival. Like, I don't know where we got water. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what we did for, you know, there might've been a hot dog stand. I have no idea. I have no memory of eating or drinking or what we, how we survived. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, and then you co- have to wait two hours while David Lee Roth does all the cocaine in Southern California to go much. on stage. Pretty much. And, and there, and he's really hammered. Like he comes on stage, you know, <laughs> now it's funny. Cause I look back on the videos of, of that era and, and they, they're still pretty great. But at the time we were all kind of going, you hear me yeah. out there? <laughs> he stood there for 10 minutes going like, well, hello, Glenn Helen Regional Park. Look at all the people here tonight. Oh man, I got to make an announcement right here. Can you hear me out there? Hey man, don't be squirting water at me. I'm gonna fuck your girlfriend, pal. Like, Can you we, hear yeah. me out there? Oh my God. It went on and on and on. And we were like, please, please play a song. I'm so tired. You know? And, and it was the weirdest thing. We left before it was over because we couldn't stand up anymore. I, yeah. I was I was like, walking they were not out. on their game. They they right. they had parted yeah. too much. But I it was mean, still kind of a legendary thing. Yeah. But it was still shocking. Because you know how a band comes on stage and kind of the guitar player hits a couple of chords to test, you know, drink, drink, whatever. Eddie, you hear Eddie do that and your body kind of moved a little. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it was so mm-hmm. loud and perfect. Like everything I read, because I read like, oh, he's going to be using these amps and this whole thing. And then I hear it and it was like, whoa, oh my God, listen to that, you know? And then, and there he was and they came out and, you know. It, it, but it was, it, when I think back, I just go, God, I wish I could have seen a show like you saw so that I could, you know, have experienced it in with some energy and some, you know, some food in my body. Well, as I've said many times on this show, it was so easy to go to shows in Albuquerque. You've played in Albuquerque, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we could take the bus when we weren't right. driving, but we were all driving in ninth grade. So, and the, the Tingley Coliseum where every, every single show happened on the state fairgrounds at Tingley Coliseum back then. Amazing. Um, it, you're not more than 10 minutes away from it. So it was so easy to go to shows, right. blah, 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 blah. Here's a question for you as we begin to wrap things up. Cause mm-hmm. I want to hear a couple of these stories from you. Having seen you at the Hollywood bowl last year with Alanis, just fucking crushing it. Um, an amazing show. Is she aware of your full metal prowess? That's a good question. Pro- I mean, sort of. 
I don't know. I mean, she, we all talk about the music we've listened to and, you know, she kind of knows that me and Victor, our drummer knew each other at like, there was a battle of the bands at a roller rink in oh, no. Simi Valley okay. when I was tell just about, out of tell high me school. About tell me about that. Tell me so, about that. <laughs> so my very first band went and entered the battle of the bands and it was, it was at the holiday roller rink. What's your name? The band was called Axis. which which if you're curious about the choice of name it was purely opening the dictionary and just looking around going well oh that's no 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 no. give yourself some credit for as far as metal nouns oh yeah yeah it's pretty good it was it's kind of surprising that there wasn't a bigger band in the riots anvil Mm -hmm. Saxon yep. level that was totally. called Axis, but you guys had it, so you took it. It's amazing. It. Did you make up shirts? We had shirts. We did have <laughs> shirts. We had buttons. We had buttons. I think I still have Axis eighty five button. Oh, uh, that, yes. that, yeah, that a friend yes. helped us make. Yep, <laughs> okay. the pins. So and let's then, go back. Where, where was the roller rink? It was in Simi Valley, and it was uh, and it was where everybody would hang out to roller skate and stuff. But then they started to do these things where every corner of the roller rink had a band. And there would be, there would be a four weeks of that. And everybody that won that night culminated in a finals. And then you'd, you know, so Victor goes to the other high school across town, Simi high school. Uh And that alone was, was a, was a eye-opening thing because you, you get to the battle of bands and you go, well, who are these guys? He was in a man. His band was called attack. And, uh, amazing. And, uh, exactly. I like that too. <laughs> it was incredible. So, so we, you know, but then you realize, oh, they're at the other high school. Like you don't know. It was, it was a small town, but we didn't know each other. Yeah. You know? yeah. I totally you didn't know that uh, other people played music and, you know, there were bands from other nearby like Thousand Oaks and, so yeah it's crazy <laughs> and i have the guitar i still play the guitar that i played at that battle of the bands and victor when he joined alanis's band was like you still have that you got to bring it on tour so i've been playing it ever since so What's we can look at each other it's a gibson explorer it was oh. the first good guitar i ever got and where did you buy that guitar at your store at that, my that you store yeah fucking amazing yeah. wow 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 okay wait <laughs> wait what was the result of that battle of the bands between you and victor's band I think we each won our nights maybe, and then went on to lose, you know, the finals to the older guys, you know, there were guys, we were only 18, you know, there were probably guys in their twenties that seemed like old men to us that, you know, had better bands than we did or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, those guys played at the country club in Reseda, so they're going somewhere. We we did access. We got to play at the country club. Did did. you really? No shit. What year was that? That was 85. Oh my there. God, dude. And that was when incredible. I started. Yeah. And started going there and seeing bands and like, you could, you could, I used to laugh because we'd go there and I don't remember why we even tried, but we were like, we'd go up to the bar at 18, 19 years old and go, Oh, but bud. And they sell us <laughs> beer. They, they, there was no carding. You could go to the country club before you're 21 and watch bands and drink beer same at the troubadour it was like we you know the troubadour was very metal back then so you know well okay so but i I got dude i could talk to you for i know i could talk to you for a month because i so give me just give me some brushstrokes of when you finally start to make those consistent journeys into la Mm. into hollywood into wherever to go see shows i don't know if you were going to the palomino in north hollywood if they were ever having like yeah. Or FM station or, or where, like, where were you going to see bands and who were you seeing early on? So here, 
one fun story is that in high school, my friend Jay Ramirez <laughs> was was a really good guitar player. It's the best and high school name. I'm greatest, sorry to right? laugh. Yeah, Jay, no, Ram- best. Jay, Jay Ramirez. Ramirez. <laughs> and he was a total rock star, like, you know, and we became friends. Of course he was. <laughs> and 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 the the rumor, which was a real real story, was that Jay took lessons with Randy Rhodes. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, so Jay shows up at at Randy Rhodes' mother's music school, which was right off Laurel Canyon in Oxnard. Called oh, wow. Muzo- it was called Musonia. It was this little house. And and Jay said, yeah, I showed up for my lesson one week. And Dolores, Randy's mom, said she ran the school. And she goes, oh, Randy joined Ozzy Osbourne band, but this is your new guitar teacher, Craig. And it was this guy, Craig Turner, who was this mind-blowing guitar player. And so Jay said, you should start taking lessons with Craig, and I'll, I'll drive, and we'll just go to North Hollywood. So that was my, like, go to North Hollywood, start taking lessons at her school, seeing oh, his mom, wow. seeing Randy Rhodes' mom every week. Hi, Miss Rhodes, you know? And and this guy, Craig, was teaching us mind-blowing, you know, he could play everything. And then his band played at the Troubadour, and that was the first time I went to a club. We went to the Troubadour to see his band called Network. <laughs> <laughs> was that more in the veins of that sort of 80s-style kinks um, uh, like, you know, pub rock or was that a hard rock band? Network? Hard rock band, okay. Uh, okay. kind of almost progressive in a way. Cause he was a really interesting guitar player, but it was very rock eighties, you know, yeah. kind of not network, like poison more, yeah. more virtuoso guitar player, you know, rock network just it, for some reason in my mind, it, it, it sparked images of the skinny tie pub rock kind of band. Yes, totally. But, totally. That, but I got, but I got you. I'm with you. Yeah. No, it was, it was beyond that. And then. And it was at the Troubadour, so so we drove to the Troubadour, which was this whole other world. And and the drummer from the, I was sixteen. The drummer from the Scorpions was there watching oh. the show. So I have somewhere I still have his autograph because I asked him for his autograph. Yeah, yep. Um, dude, um, listen, I, I I'm just gonna put a pin in this for now. You just call this part one because because I I just I just uh, I just have so many more questions. But we've run out of time. That's just how That's it goes. Right. I could talk. Can I tell to, you how I much I, for a week? Can I tell you how much I love your reverence for all of the history of specifically the Valley and and Hollywood? Like it, it it's amazing. I but love it. It's 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 important. It's it is it's like to to totally. drive around this place and understand the geography of it. Yeah. And all of you young dudes. We were almost like watching you guys on television in a way grow up (laughs) because it all seemed to be emanating from here. But like, I get it. Like, and I, and I understand why you and our friend Kevin and and so many other people, like, you know, you, you did grow up in a magical place in a magical time. Yeah. And it all keeps changing. Yes. But for this era, I mean, I, I just love it so much and I could, I could listen to stories all day. So you're going to have to come back. (laughs) I can't um, wait. Um, just before I let you go, are you guys on tour? Are you taking a break? What's 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 going on right now? And then uh, and then I'll let you go. We just toured all summer and um and then have a few shows kind of that we're finishing out the fall with. Um, playing uh this Saturday actually out in San Bernardino at uh, oddly enough San Bernardino, but uh it's the Yamava um yeah casino out there. <laughs> a lot of a lot of people have been playing there lately. Um playing there and then at the end of the month there's a show at the hollywood bowl that's a suicide um prevention charity uh event that 
I guess has been happening for a few years, but it's us and a bunch of good bands, garbage, uh, Weezer, um, Halsey, I forget who else I have to wow. look at the thing, but one Republic, I think. I can't remember, but Love it. that'll be really fun. Yeah. Wow. 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 Um, well, uh, we well, didn't even get to talk about all that kind of stuff. So yeah. you're going to have to come back <laughs> real goddamn soon. So I will. dude, thank you. Thank you. This is amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's, this is all I want to do. <laughs> and to the rest of you, thank you so much for liking, listening, subscribing, telling your friends about the Brando cast. So many great guests coming down the pike, but come on. What would you rather do? Spend time with Jason Orm. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the Brando cast is produced by Mr. Richard Sheltinga. So until the next time, cats and kittens. Cats and kittens.